Hello, this is the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and we meet here to talk about the business of marketing your work online, of getting seen and heard so you can be paid to keep doing what you love. In each episode, our guest shares what they've learned about running a creative business, which is rarely a straightforward thing, more of a wiggly line. This time, a before and after story with Josephine Brooks. We all start our businesses in part because we want more freedom. We want a bit more flexibility. We want to be our own boss. And then we end up creating another job for ourselves. You know, instead of like, right, I need to be the office every day at nine. It's right, I need to be on Instagram every day at eight so that I can do my story and then I can do this. And that's not that's not why we did all of this. So there is a a smarter way that we can do our marketing that sure is probably a little bit less sexy and a little bit less of a quick win but we're in this for the long run. Josephine is a business mentor turned evergreen marketing and sales funnel specialist on a comeback from burnout. She came off social media and remodeled her work so she can deliver what she calls freedom friendly automated sales strategies. The idea is to get her clients off the hamster wheel by setting up automatic marketing content. Too good to be true? We'll find out. And that F word, funnel, mm, I have trouble saying it without cringing. So we will tunnel into funneling. First of all, though, I asked Josephine what caused her to stop and reevaluate everything she used to do. burnout really gets thrown around and gets used for a lot of things and I kind of thought oh it just means being a bit bit tired bit over something you know so when I hit burnout I didn't kind of diagnose it as burnout for quite a long time and ultimately what got me there was this cycle of launching every couple of months and really putting so much pressure on myself to be visible on social media every single day. Your stories cannot run out and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and being stuck on this cycle of, you know, launching, having a decent launch, then feeling a bit exhausted, then thinking, right, I've got to really put my energy into delivering the thing that I've sold. And so then not really having the mental energy to continue consistently marketing my business. And then a few months down the lane thinking, okay, well, that program's about to finish. I need to launch again. And just being on this kind of continuous cycle. And I got to the end of 2021. And my plan was always to take December off. And I I needed it by the time I got there. And I took December off. And That was great. And I knew that at the end of the year, I'd have all this energy and excitement to get back to it again. And it just didn't really materialize. And I had a launch planned for that January. And I was kind of promoting the webinar, not particularly well, (laughs) because I, I wasn't that excited about it. And then I got COVID. So that knocked me out for a couple of weeks. And then I was on a walk with a friend and I was just, to be honest, I was quite depressed. it, It felt like, you know, mental health struggles coming back again to haunt me. I was really quite depressed. I couldn't, I couldn't even force myself to do anything like, you know, post, even post something on social media or send an email. It just felt like this colossal effort. And I was like, I just, I just can't be bothered. And my friend said to me, are you sure you're not a bit burned out? And I was like, oh my God, maybe this is burnout. (laughs) So it took me a long time to figure out that's what it was. And 
having been burned out, I just kind of think like, oh my goodness, just do not go there. Avoid it with a barge pole because it has genuinely taken me about a year to get over it and to start feeling really excited about creating content again and marketing again. What would the um what were the guess the early signs that you missed at the time mm. that maybe somebody listening might recognize in themselves? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think um it's almost one of those things where when I look back now I'm like actually this could have been quite a long time coming. Even, you know, the the kick off of the pandemic was probably a bit of a trigger because there was so much confusion, so much there was a lot of hustly kind of energy online, I think, generally, because it was like, quick, get your lipstick offer or your no-brainer offer out there, which I think as well at the moment is a big message, you know, because of the cost of living crisis. Everyone's like, quick, get your, you know, your no-brainer offer out there and put this on offer and run this and experiment with this. And I'm all for experimenting, absolutely. But I think it's like feeling that pressure and that kind of... um almost that anxious feeling like, okay, well, I've got to get this out there and then I've got to launch that and then I've got to do this and constantly creating new products and services and thinking up new stuff all the time, which is exhausting because you have to create new content for all of that stuff. And so I think maybe early signs are probably feeling a bit of a pressure to do all of the things and do what everyone else is doing and feeling anxious about it in your body is probably like an early sign. Um, and also I think the big giveaway for me is like any time you kind of think, oh, I just can't be bothered to do this. I just, I'm not excited about doing it. Oh, I've got to write that email. Oh, I've got to record that podcast. As soon as you feel like that, um, I think, yeah, that's the, the red flag. That's the warning sign to think, okay, do I need to step back? Is this the right thing to be doing at the moment and start questioning it? I mean, we can all feel like that at work though, right? Like every mm. job, every job, it has its like, I can't be bothered yeah, so moments. Yeah, yeah. But there is, I think, something about the way that you describe the messaging we get around digital businesses that mm. a lot of people listening are going to resonate with. The yeah. idea that you've got to be doing this, you've got to be doing that. And it, it does do something to your body. It does do, I, mm. I've actually tried to understand what it is. And, I, and I've I've done online research and I'm not sure that I do, but this constant, it must be a fight or flight feeling of, yeah, of having, is, yeah. having to take some kind of action in order to move mm. forward or your business will disappear or you'll get yeah. left behind. So you're in a consciously anxious state that something mm. bad is going to happen or that you're not doing enough. Yeah. I wonder how we can use the good side of being mm. online digitally and but protect ourselves from the nuttiness of it all which is, I guess, where you're at now. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some ways to be a bit cleverer with our content and the way that we market our businesses. And actually, just to go back to your point, you're so right. We can always have times when we're like, oh, I've got to edit this or I've got to write that. And, And that's just completely normal. I think if we were to say, you know, you should always feel thrilled to write your emails, that would be very disingenuous. But I, I guess what is probably the big warning sign is like when you're forcing yourself and it just doesn't matter how much you're forcing yourself, you cannot do it. Um, you're kind of saying, right, I've got this, for example, with my launch, I was thinking, right, I've got this free workshop, I've got to run it. And 
I just couldn't even force myself to do it. Um, and when you get to that point, that's, you're probably hitting burnout basically. But, um, I think the way in which I have shifted things now is to, it's kind of twofold. A, to take advantage of tech. I think so many of us are total tech phobes and we're really worried about, oh God, what if this email sends at the wrong time or the image doesn't load or, oh, I'm just not going to do it at all. And so I don't think we harness tech enough. Um, and to. Ooh, this is interesting. This mm. is a lot of my, a lot of my people allow tech. When I say my people, I'm talking about people that yeah, I work yeah. with and courses and um, workshops. They allow tech to become almost like a a, a, a character <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, wor- that's working against them, that yeah. is in the way. Like, I can't do this. I can't set up an email template. I don't know how mm-hmm. to schedule this thing. And I, I'm really interested to hear how you suggest we make that go away the fear of it all yeah I think it's it's um not it's like any answer there's no silver bullet there's no kind of like hack it is to well very relevant to your podcast it's kind of to overcome the perfectionism you know if something sends with the wrong link or if something sends with the weird sized image and it doesn't work like it doesn't matter that much especially with email um because you can send another one the next day or you can even use that as a talking point you know how many times have and I actually think this is something people are doing with launches now how many times have you had an email where they're like oops wrong link here's the right one and they and they kind of make it into a big thing I I don't know I it almost feels like a bit of a a marketing tactic at the moment sometimes um so I think it's uh, can too, I just say they are yeah. one of my least they are one of my least favorite types of email yeah but I had a um I had an email spasm shall we call it the other Mm -hmm. week when I was away and my newsletter went out without any content in it and it still makes Mm -hmm. me feel slightly sick thinking about it but I immediately did not send a follow-up email going Mm -hmm. oh god oh shit oh no that was because I really hate it when I get them whether or not they're premeditated or or, or genuinely I just I'm just like do you know what if you've made a mistake or if something's gone out that's not right chances are not very many people have noticed and and secondly they definitely don't want another email from you within 10 minutes going oh Mm. no oh it doesn't work um let's no do you know what let's claw it back a little bit Josephine you are now going to help people to market their business while keeping out of this overstimulated burnouty cycle of doing things what does that look like for somebody who's launching a product or a course in all honesty it's probably not for the person who is just launching a new course or a new thing because i think that is a time when actually you probably should launch it and you probably should dial up the volume on it and you probably should test it live and see what works and see what you need to do with it to tweak it. But once you have a product or a service or a a course or whatever that's tested, it's proven, you know it sells and you know it delivers really good results for people, that's when you can get a lot more sustainable with the way that you're marketing it. And basically how this came about was I hit burnout. Then I just got to this point where I was like, I just can't with my business right now. I'm just going to put it on pause because I just can't. (laughs) And I thought, what else can I do? And I just messaged, well, I built this kind of like three page website over a weekend 
offering out my services basically because I was like, I've learned so much. I could just go in behind the scenes in other people's businesses and help them. And then I don't need to be launching. I don't need to be on Instagram. Sent out that message to all of the business owners I've done masterminds with or worked with or whatever and said, hey, do you want some help? And almost immediately got booked out because everyone was saying to me, oh my goodness, I'm just so exhausted. I ha- I'm spending all my time launching or I've run out of energy from launching and I'm spending all my time creating social media content. I never have time to get around to all this other more sustainable stuff. Um, so this was the message I was hearing from people. And over the last year, it's kind of like really refined this service that I now offer because what they all needed was a sales funnel to help them automate some of their marketing and more evergreen, sustainable content that, yes, it probably takes a little bit longer than an Instagram post to make, but it will repay you for months and years to come. Um, So going back to your original question, which I think was around what does this look like, more sustainable marketing, was that pretty much it in a nutshell? Okay, cool. Yeah, (laughs) let's make it that. That that, that works for me. (laughs) my kind of process with this is um, start with the sales funnel, which probably, unless you have a big big audience and lots of organic traffic already is probably not going to suddenly be your answer to six figures overnight which everyone wants us to think it is <laughs> but mm. okay let's talk about I think there are people listening who would not even really know what a sales funnel is and it might be a phrase like I hear it and I kind of go I think about I think about that kind of like six figure six figure bullshitty online nonsense promises but actually I heard it described a few weeks ago in a way that did make sense to me as in it's about funneling people's attention towards something so you know we live in a noisy world and you know people might just see a little bit of your content or a snippet of something here or there so if we can find a way to to hold their attention and allow them to learn more about what we do, then they are obviously therefore more likely to buy into it along the line. Is that how you would describe a funnel or would you be more technical about it? So I would describe it slightly differently. I mean, yeah, ultimately that's that's kind of what it is, but I would probably be even less techie about it and kind of say, if you think of your marketing funnel over overall, so you've got a customer journey that you need to take people on before they're going to buy from you. So first of all, they need to discover that you even exist. So somehow they need to come across your brand. And from there, once they're kind of, you know, they know you exist and they're interested, you need to nurture them. You need to offer them value, build their, that, you know, know, like, and trust factor. And then once they're at that level where they know, like, and trust you, you can then invite them to find out about buying something from you or even just invite them to find out about what you offer. And so your marketing, your sales funnel, and this is confusing because they're two separate things, but I'll explain in a second. Your sales funnel helps you automate some of that job of nurturing people and inviting them to buy from you, which some people call like the convert stage. But I think... um, Hopefully for a lot of people listening, the invite wording feels better because we're not pressuring anyone here. We're literally inviting them to find out more about buying from you. So your sales funnel is basically a set of emails and automations that help you to automate that process of nurturing your audience, helping them to get to know, like, and trust you, and then inviting them to buy from you. So 
if you think about your marketing and what you're doing at each kind of level in that marketing funnel, you need to be doing something to help people discover you. But once they've discovered you, perhaps they come over to your blog, perhaps they do find you on Instagram, perhaps they find you through an ad or through a podcast episode like this, for example. Once they come over to your world, which might be on your website, they can then join your sales funnel. They might join your mailing list or they might opt in for a freebie. That's kind of how they join the sales funnel. And then your sales funnel is a process of sending them emails that, first of all, nurture them. There's no point when someone's just joined your list being like, right, buy this thing right now, which is what I think a lot of sales funnels do, which feels gross. Yeah, I know. It it does feel gross. And I think that's what I think. I think that's been my, as somebody who's a huge fan of email marketing, I think that's Mm. been my problem with automated email sequences because very often the ones I have been on the receiving end of are in a massive rush to get you to buy something. Yeah. Like they really, and you're just like, well, Mm -hmm. hang on a minute. I just signed up to get your newsletter yeah, yeah. or I just you know you know and all of a sudden you want me to you know opt mm-hmm. into an 800 pound coaching plan yeah. or something it's just not happening yeah. uh, and also I kind of know what I know why you wanted to get my email address because you just wanted my money really quickly yeah and that is so I don't have any kind of automations set up like mm-hmm. that because I I feel like I want to do it in a more organic yeah. way so convince me then that it can be done in a way that doesn't make me feel a bit harassed into buying something too quickly how would you set that up for somebody let's say Mm -hmm. a a, a coach a business coach how would you set up a funnel I've gone onto their website I'm like oh okay I'd love to get Josephine's emails Mm -hmm. she seems cool I really like her vibe what emails am I going to get from you next what happens in that funnel so I think to get a little bit more technical your sales funnel probably comes in at least two separate parts. You've got your nurture funnel and then you've got your sales funnel. So the, and just to go back to like the bombardment of emails that you get when so often you sign up for a freebie, the reason people do that is because if you, within the first 72 hours of someone signing up to your list or more, more so for a freebie, that's the window in theory that they're more likely to buy. So if you are, you know, a little bit scammy and you're like I don't really care I just want as many sales as possible that's probably the route you would take and you would need a hell of a lot of volume through that funnel <laughs> to, yeah. to create I was going to say I, th- I, I think there's a ha- must be a high risk of people unsubscribing because I know from my oh, own yeah. behaviour if yeah. you but where where I can feel it might work better is signing up for like, maybe a low investment product like yeah. you know a mu- um, if, well, that- if you like I, if if I like the mug people enough to sign up for their emails, yeah. I'm probably I'm probably really in the mood to buy yes. a mug. In yeah. which case, get onto it quickly. So yeah. it does depend what kind of products you have. If you have yeah. a, I would say if you have a physical product, any kind of like gift or that, you know, I have quite a lot of those kind of people in my community. Yeah, yeah. I would say to mm-hmm. them, take really, you know, make sure you're taking advantage yeah. of that period straight after the sign up. Yeah. For people who maybe are selling a, a service that will... Yeah need you to get to know each other mm-hmm. better before they get it yeah, yeah. that is that that's the gentler approach absolutely yeah I wouldn't really with. yeah I don't build the 72 hours that's hammer people version of the sales funnel I think you're right especially if you offer a low value or not a low value because that's not the right word but like a, a low um, investment thing that's then the, absolutely that's the but still again yeah. it's about inviting people to find out about it it's not like shoving it down their throats but once people are on your list initially 
you would build a nurture funnel, which really, you know, to give you some ideas of what the kind of content you might want to put in there. And essentially, this is like a welcome sequence. It might be, you know, your story, obviously written in a really engaging way that helps the people that are reading that story see themselves in that story. So it's really about them. Um, Perhaps repurpose your most engaged social media post into an email. Um, Perhaps you know, the question that you're asked all the time, answer that in an email. And just, it's all about just delivering value, really. And yeah, educating people, inspiring people, entertaining people, all of that kind of stuff and helping them get to know you. It is like, yeah, you're you're doing the know, like and trust factor building stuff. And then what you might want to do at the end of that sequence or towards the end is... There's a couple of ways to do this. One, you could then just filter them through to your sales funnel emails, which I'll get to, or you can invite them to sign up for something else. Maybe it's a more in-depth video workshop. Maybe it's a, um, you know, some other freebie of some sort, or maybe even a low investment thing. And once they opt into that, you're kind of getting their consent again to then talk to them perhaps in a slightly more salesy, in inverted commas, a slightly more salesy way where you're talking about a specific product and you're right what you said earlier it's about really talking to them about one offer not confusing your message by talking about lots of different things at once talking to them about one offer and again it's not shoving it down the throats it's about inviting them to find out more about it but you're still delivering them value at that point in your sales funnel yeah you're still delivering content that that offers uh, uh, something uh, that sparks their interest more than is like, would you like to buy this thing? Um, I like the way you talk about selling Josephine in a way that, you know, ungrossifies it. You know, it's, you know, it's just about, it's about, it's about explaining what you do and who you are and then, then how you might be able to buy into it if you would like to. Um, And the beauty of having a process like this is that you're not constantly doing it on Instagram <laughs> or wherever, and that that that's what you're, you know, that's the big upside is that you've got this working for you all the time. Uh, what kind of uh, conversion rate would somebody expect to see from that kind of if you've got a good sales funnel? And does that take a while to work out? Is there yeah. a real template for it or? I think it does take a little while to to figure out, particularly, you know, once you've got a sales funnel live, it's generally a case of get at least sort of 500 people through it and then review like which emails are people clicking, which emails are people not opening so well. Can you tweak that subject line? Um, are people not clicking in that email where you want them to click? Do you need to have a button in there instead of an inline link? You know, it's just little tweaks like that. But yeah, a good sales funnel will convert at about 2%. So that is key. And I'm sure we'll get in, into like feeding your funnel. Um, but yeah, a good sales funnel will convert at about 2%. So anything from like 15 to 2% probably needs to be your goal. Yeah, which is, you know what, that's uh, that, that's pretty good. That's what, you yeah. know, you could expect maybe from a live campaign, yeah. especially for a bigger priced product. Yeah. So uh, if, you've, if you've sort of constantly got that sort of 2% conversion coming through mm-hmm. your uh, website or your funnel or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, then, you know, you should be 
that's good and I think that that figure surprises people yes, uh, and I scares them uh, and yeah. it scares them a little bit like I you know I remember talking to a class uh, who had got um, people signed up onto a wait list for a course mm-hmm. and they were like oh my goodness all these people have signed up and it's going to be awesome and I was like do you know what you'll be really lucky if like 10% of those people sign mm. up and they were like and they were like, what? <laughs> These are people who've told me they are interested in buying this thing. And even then, only one in 10 of them, when it comes to the crunch, will actually buy. And only then, two in 100 of the people going through your sales funnel will actually buy. Which is why there is so much focus on audience growth, because yeah. 2, 2% of a bigger number obviously earns you more money. Mm-hmm. But if you're not focusing using your technique on audience growth, Mm -hmm. how are you driving people into the funnel? Where are they coming from if they're not coming from Instagram? Or uh, how are you getting them? How are you finding them? Sure. How are they finding you? Yeah, exactly. And this is where the discover piece of your marketing funnel overall comes in. Because if you build a sales funnel, that's great. But if you're not feeding it, it's kind of like having a car with no fuel in. It's just not going to do anything for you. So you absolutely need to feed it. And I think this is where there is not enough nuance online when you hear about these six-figure launches and this, you know, six-figure sales funnel overnight is, you know, the bit that people forget to mention is how you're getting the volume of people into that funnel that you need for that 2% to buy from you. So there's a few ways you can do this. Ads is one. Um, Social media and inviting people over to your mailing list is another. And then evergreen content creation is another. And ads... What do you mean by evergreen content creation? So evergreen content creation, I am talking about kind of what a lot of people would assume is like old school marketing. So blogging, um, creating uh, video content, creating podcast content, anything that is going to last longer than a couple of weeks, content that can keep driving people over time. And I see this all the time with, I mean, it's really nice doing what I do because I see behind the scenes in lots of different businesses. And you might think, oh my good, goodness, creating a blog post, really? You know, maybe it will take a couple of hours of your time. But that blog post, you know, if you do a little bit of keyword research and you really think about what you're talking about in that blog post, can drive traffic every single month forevermore, really. Um, so, so yeah, it really is that kind of content that has a longer shelf life. And they are basically finding you through good old Google search, YouTube search, Pinterest, the podcast search app. Um, And, you know, it could be creating your own podcast, creating your own videos or creating your own blogs, or it could be a combination of that and guest posting on other people's blogs or appearing on other people's podcasts. So yeah, it's that longer, longer form, longer term content. Does that explain that bit? It does. And it's all, but it is all um, nothing, nothing's ever easy, but it's all about once you've created that really like classy bit of content, then optimizing it to be discovered, whether that yeah. means learning a bit about SEO, learning a bit about how to use YouTube. But yeah. like you say, once it's up there, it can keep working yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I had a message. I had a message from someone who'd listened to, who just listened to an, one of the first episodes I shared of Just Bloody Posting. Oh. She was like, oh my, you know, and yeah. and that is what you, I love about creating something that stands mm-hmm. the test of time. It, it's still yeah. there, you know. 
know. Yeah, because once someone gets the bug, they will binge your entire like the whole set of podcast episodes or you know if it's video they'll binge all your videos or binge all your blog posts and yeah that's that's the joy of it whereas I I think with social media if we're really honest with ourselves we put quite a lot of effort into creating content that really has a shelf life of maybe at the most three or four days and then but this is where we need to be a bit more clever with how we use it. We just need to repurpose that into blog posts or repurpose it into video and stick it on our website. Like our website should be our home on the internet that we really nurture because the more content we can put on there, the more we can, uh, the more traffic we can drive. That makes me feel slightly silly. My website really needs a bit of a spruce up, or a bit of an update, I would say. And I must admit, Josephine, if anybody wants to go and check out your website, it looks really good and it is quite to the point uh, uh, you know that's really easy to understand what you offer um it looks lovely it's very cohesive i think mine mine actually you've made me think that i need to spend a bit of time and the problem with constantly feeding uh, instagram can be is that you don't take the time to do that stuff that would actually serve you better over a longer period of time right yeah this and this is what i call the launch cycle or it's kind of a bit of a trap because we do exactly, you know, and I know this because I've been there. I'm not standing on my high horse saying, you know, oh, you're stuck in the launch cycle. I've been there and I've been in this trap and it's not that it led to burnout where, you know, you launch, you run out of energy. You can just about deliver that thing that you've, um, that you've sold to a really high standard, but you don't have any energy for anything else. And you keep creating content for social media, but it's a cycle. It's a hamster wheel because you know, 24 hours goes by, you need another bit. And then 24 hours goes by and you need another bit. Um, and it takes us away from nurturing our, our website, which I think if we start thinking it, of it as our little home on the internet, we can maybe think of it in a nice, like a bit more of a cozy way. But, um, but yeah, there's two parts to that. There's obviously creating content for it and just use the low hanging fruit. Look at what your most engaged Instagram posts are, the most engaged emails that you've sent, repurpose those into blog content and then there's some tweaks you can make with your website to make it easy for people to get on your mailing list which is ultimately what list building comes down to oh tell me tell me I want to hear what you think about that what your tips are so yeah I think this is another thing where people think you know how do I hack the system but getting people on your mailing list really is about making it easy for people to get on your list and telling them why they should join your list so when it comes to your website it's thinking about where are all the opportunities where I can invite people onto my list? So for example, even on your homepage, you could talk about in one section, your actual emails, where you can get people on your mailing list based on the content they're going to receive in your emails. That is exactly what you want because they're going to be looking out for your emails. They're not just there for the freebie. So that's like the first thing to talk about. Then in another section of your homepage, you can talk about a freebie that you offer and invite people to sign up for that. And then perhaps in the footer, you mention your email again so that it's appearing on every single page of your website effectively. And then think about your about page. What calls to action have you got there? Okay, they've just found out a bit more about your story and so many about pages, that's it. 
and there's nowhere to go. So what are people going to do? They're just going to leave. Uh, I know. I'm like, oh, is there a sign-up box on my about page? I'm not sure that there is. I think there might be one in the footer, but there really yeah. almost should be one even in after the, the first couple of paragraphs. Yeah. Have a really nice, clear, you know, you keep up with my business story every yeah. week. I send an email, whatever it might be. Absolutely. That I am definitely missing a trick there. Okay, I am convinced to spend a bit of time on my uh, website I'm as guilty as anybody of getting distracted by shiny things on Instagram although I'm really as I mature in my my business really trying to be uh, make it work for me better rather than trying to please it all the time Um, and Josephine the reason you're here the reason you're on this podcast today is because I saw one of your Instagram posts Mm -hmm. where you had reintroduced yourself uh, and shared what you've been through and, and where you're going next so given everything we've talked about and where this conversation started how are you planning to use social media now mm. going forward because you're obviously you're still on there yeah. you've re- you've reset your instagram account yeah. so you're starting from afresh yeah. how are you going to how are you going to keep boundaries yeah. around it oh my goodness my relationship with social media has been dysfunctional for such a long time and i think that's because when i started my business there was just all this messaging about basically how to hack the system, you know, and that got so embedded in my brain to the point even now, I still have moments where I think, oh, I haven't got any stories. And I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) Um, So I really thought a lot about do I just sack it in? Because over the last year, I have been completely booked out and probably busier than I'd like to be without using social media at all, without with basically networking with people and talking to people. So I really thought, do I even want it? And then I saw a um, Instagram account. I think they're called, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Meha Copy Company. It's M-A-H-A, I think, Copy. And they were talking about, and they have a similar business model in a way in that they have a service-based business and they were talking about you know how we got booked out on Instagram I can show you the link to this post and all they do is post carousels they don't they haven't given in to the pressure to create reels and honestly every time I go on Instagram their carousels pop up and it's because they are so value-packed I literally go to their carousels I take information from them I put them in my google spreadsheet of like copy ideas they're that good and that's really all it comes down to it's like forget all the noise about you need to be using this trending sound you need to go live every three days or whatever and just make it work for you exactly like you said so that is what I'm gonna play with just doing carousels that I can do in my pajamas and schedule (laughs) love it you speak my love language i'm following them now they've got a really nice looking but like you say simple account i'm going to go and dig into it um and i completely agree i actually find value packed carousel posts work really well for me and consistently have done in the past couple of years it's something i find i can do like the, the the very thought with reels the very thought of having to keep on top of like, oh, what's the latest audio? What's this week? So that's, that makes me feel anxious in my chest. So I kind of made a decision to step out of it because I just can't, I do not have the inclination and it is anxiety inducing. You know, the idea of having to keep on top of it all the time. Um, but I think it is totally possible to use Instagram a little bit rebelliously and do it 
create the kind of content that actually you like and that your people seem to like like you love the you love their content that you you value it you save it you read it you really read it you don't just you know you don't just swipe past it so you know what can you create what can any of us create that feels kind of natural to us rather than forced that would be the place I would try and find if I were advising anybody now yeah and it's and, you know. and so and I guess the other add-on bit to that is to repurpose as much as you can and I know this is like the boring thing that everyone goes on about but you know my latest right. carousel was really a repurposed section of the email that I sent on Monday so the copy was kind of done copied and pasted it into Canva the copy that's in the actual carousel I just copy and paste into the caption I'm not spending my life minutes creating content specifically for Instagram anymore I just refuse to do it (laughs) and I think I got to the same place with reels where I actually felt quite angry with it because I was like this isn't creative anymore this is a load of sheep (laughs) like doing the same using the same music like there's nothing unique or you're just losing your personality to just do what everyone else is doing and I got kind of angry with it so I was like I'm not not doing it not doing anymore (laughs) I've definitely I've been through anger I've come to a place of peace where I'm like for some people this is like the thing for them this has been a this is a great thing it really plays into their creative strengths go for it and I occasionally make a reel that is very untrendy but I like the expression life minutes and we should not be spending any of our life minutes trying to please the Instagram algorithm with the hope that more followers will answer some question in our lives, which it will not. Um, So use it, use it and abuse it, take from it what you can get. And, you know, most often it's little connections like these that, you know, that post led to this conversation. Other people will have heard it. They'll find it, you know, that really useful in understanding how they can market in a more sustainable peaceful meaningful way yeah yeah because at the end of the day I think we all start our businesses in part because we want more freedom we want a bit more flexibility we want to be our own boss and then we end up creating another sort of job for ourselves and telling ourselves right I need to be you know, instead of like, right, I need to be the office every day at nine, it's right, I need to be on Instagram every day at eight so that I can do my story and then I can do this. And that's not that's not why we did all of this. So there is a a smarter way that we can do our marketing that sure is probably a little bit less sexy and a little bit less of a quick win. But we're in this for the long run. So we need to kind of treat our marketing as such and really focus on a way that's sustainable long term I think so that we can avoid that burnout because it's not fun oh Josephine I'm really happy to hear about your journey I'm not happy about your burnout obviously but you know we get to better places don't we when we go through different when we go through difficult times and um, it's great to hear how your business actually sustained itself through that without social media uh, and then when the time came and you had the energy for it you can you can get back out there it's been so interesting thank you for sharing oh it's been so lovely to chat with you it's been it's been really fun actually to kind of just have this very unplanned conversation just see where it goes and just yeah chat has been lovely thank you so much for having me well that was a fresh perspective on things for me and you too i hope it's opened up my mind to the idea of sales funnels 
And as we get more grown up in our businesses, it is very, very right to think about driving income from a range of sources, not just the social media cycle. My worry about automated content has always been that it will be sterile. But if you're thoughtful and do not try to rush the sale, I think especially if you've got a service business like mine, don't try and rush this business of allowing people to get to know you. I can see how it can work. Let me know what you think and share this with a friend who needs to hear it. There is another way. I'll be back soon. Thank you always for listening. Bye.